The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So let's do the best podcasts of 2022 and suggestions for things you might like to listen to over the Christmas period as well. We're joined by Zara Hederman and Dave Hanratty, of course you hear regularly here on The Last Word. Zara, I want you to start please with one called Unreal, A Critical History of Reality TV. What's this? Yeah, this is fascinating. So I, growing up, was a huge reality TV fan, still am today. And uh, journalists Pandora Sykes and Shirin Kale, they have done a 10-part deep dive into reality TV, its history. So starting with Big Brother, uh, going into then things like um, Selling Sunset, Real Housewives Chain, Made in Chelsea. And it's really interesting because they delve into it with a very critical eye. Um, They talk to producers who've worked on shows, especially Big Brother, which of course was the launch pad for reality TV. So we get to hear about the history of that, some of the characters, of course, Jay Goody. They talk about quite a lot, her career and her involvement in the show. But what I really liked was how Pandora and Siren, when they're interviewing, say, um, producers or former contestants or characters in these shows, they didn't hold back at all of, you know, bringing up some of the controversial qualities of the shows, especially with the likes of Big Brother um, and again with Made in Chelsea and The Hills in particular, you know, talking about controlling relationships that were shown on screen. We have a clip from it and in this clip they discuss how reality TV is now very closely linked to a life of influencing and fast fashion. The relationship between... Instagram, fast fashion and Love Island is super, super intense. Fast fashion companies who provide that money, who provide the sponsored posts, who provide the free clothes. And not only do they provide the income for that ecosystem to, I guess, create substantial and high profile winners, they set apart these individuals as uh, people who are desirable, a new form of celebrity. Love Island's relationship with online fast fashion grew alongside the show itself, When I've spoken to people from series one and two, they have literally explained to me that there would be points in the show, maybe then like four or five weeks in, and the producers would say to the girls, right, we're doing an ASOS order because you lot are just wearing the same clothes every day and we need you to look different on screen because otherwise it just looks like weird for the viewers. Thanks to the success of series three, which secured its highest ever ratings, ITV2 got its first fast fashion sponsor for series four, Misguided. By 2021, Love Island had signed up nine official sponsors and media sources say they netted the show a record-breaking £12 million. In short, it was the beginning of a highly lucrative, highly influential partnership. Not only do these e-tailers appeal to the youth market the show is aiming for, they tie the contestants to the viewers. The islanders on telly are wearing the clothes that viewers at home are putting in their online shopping baskets. See, that was... Zara, I suppose, plays to the the cynical amongst Mm. our listeners, I suspect, and Mm. not just of my generation who think that this reality TV contrived nonsense is basically all just about selling things to people. It is. Yeah, absolutely. But And I do completely take that point on board, and especially with the later iterations of the genre with Love Island in particular. Um, but what I really love about reality TV and have always kind of loved it is the anthropological look at how people interact with each other, how people engage in situations. And of course, as well, there is a component, and they do talk about it on the show, about how a lot of it is scripted and manipulated. Let's go to something entirely different, Dave Hanratty. Tell us, please, about from the News and Current Affairs uh, podcast section, The Coming Storm. 
this was an incredible show. I mean, based off incredible real life events. I mean, it's reality TV in a different fashion because this is focusing on it's BBC Radio Four production. Gabriel Gatehouse is the the journalist at the heart of this. And he's a, a correspondent in the US, so he'd be very, very familiar with political maneuverings and also just the kind of general on-the-ground reaction. So this podcast was it took place a year after the famous now 2021 January 6th insurrection on the US Capitol. And you might think, well, you know, we saw all that at the time and there might not be that much more to explore here. And we've read the books. We've read the books. Uh, we, we've probably heard different podcasts on this. But what, what he's done here is he's gone back in time to kind of link it to a modern age. I mean, the very first thing you hear on this is him talking about witch trials back, you know, in you know days of yore. And you're kind of like, did I tune into the, the right show here? But you have, because he's essentially linking how the fevered reaction among people in that era to what was going on there actually applies to the modern context. And essentially, in looking at what happened on the US Capitol that day, how it's been building for so many, so many years... I mean, this goes back to the 90s and the Clinton administration and how when he took power, Republicans were ousted and there was this horrible growing discord amongst people who felt that they had been wronged. And then it was a situation where whether it was people writing messages on bathroom walls, like kind of coded messages to to one another, or the rise of chat rooms, this kind of, I guess, the, the cracks began to show in America itself. And from there, we get the seeds planted, the incubation, as he says at one point, to something more monstrous that's going to burst at some point. Let's hear Gabriel Gatehouse meeting Philippe Reigns, who tells him about when he first became aware of so-called Q-drops. So the first Q-drop is October 28th, 2017, at 4.44pm Eastern Time. It seems to be posted to 4chan. This is Philippe Reynas. We met him in the last episode. He was Hillary Clinton's campaign advisor. As well as Hillary Clinton. Who was blindsided by the Pizzagate story. I don't remember anyone saying, oh God, this pizza thing is getting away from us. Because when He learned a lesson from that. You've got to keep an eye on 4chan. And here was an ominous looking post. Quote, HRC extradition already in motion, effective yesterday, with several countries in case of cross-border run. HRC is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Passport approved to be flagged, effective 10.30 at 12.01 a.m. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. USMs will conduct the operation while NG activated. So that's, I think it's United States Marshals, isn't it? Marshals or Marines, while NG Act... National Guard? National Guard. (laughs) Are you one of them? (laughs) Okay, so here's what's going on. Someone on 4chan has just posted a message saying that a secret operation is underway to arrest Hillary Clinton. This is the first Q-drop. Go from that, and I need to go through these at speed, Dave, because we've a lot to get through. Go to Hard Fork then, because this is sort of related. Yeah, Hard Fork is a recent podcast from the New York Times that started in October, and what it focuses on is the tech industry and the current upheaval across the entire world. But a lot of these conversations, much like with the last podcast we referred to, they do kind of start in America and trickle down from there. Now, this podcast started in October, like I say, and you could not have a more perfectly timed launch for this one, because essentially since then, we've seen Elon Musk take over Twitter and it become just a complete and utter trash fire on a daily basis. There's so many problems there. You've seen the FTX scandal as well, if people who are into the crypto game or not. And essentially, if you're like, well, I'm not on Twitter, I don't live there, uh, which, you know, you're going to live longer, congratulations. But I, you might be like, how do I tune into this? What will I know? What is going on with Elon Musk? 
Two very in-depth and knowledgeable hosts here will take you through it on a regular basis. They spoke to people who were being fired from Twitter in real time. They've uh, essentially shown you what a crumbling empire it is and how poorly it's going at the moment. So if you want to just dip in, get the basics, but also listen to just how shoddily run these things are at the heart of it and how much money they're worth. It, it, it is fascinating, but it's very, very grim at the same time. And Zara, that brings me to another one of your choices, scamfluencers. Yeah, this is a really good listen, but very, very stressful to listen to. So it's a new series that came out in April. It's presented by Wondery, which always has brilliant uh, factual-based podcasts. And it's hosted by Sachi Cole and Sarah Hadji. And basically they explore different... Um, deceptions in the worlds of social media, fashion, finance, health. And there's a good few um, highlight episodes that I really enjoyed. So the very first episode, which gripped me from the very moment I pressed play on it, was Ballet's Lethal Startup, which was about a power couple, Doug and Ashley Benfield, um, and basically how they used their money and influence in New York to create a scam. Um, And that is the recurring theme of this. It's just scams through and through. There was another one I listened to recently, about the Coachella con artist um, which uh, involved real estate executive Serena Chai um, who developed this uh, scheme to build properties in Coachella in California which is a very rundown part of California but hosts this massive music festival every year brings like huge names to it and she basically told people to you know get got investors promised American visas and at the end of the day there was no plan there was no property there was no land for her to build these so it's very stressful don't listen to it before you go to sleep which I've done a few times um, Okay well let you move on to crew, uh, Crime Junkie from the true crime category Dave Yeah I mean I think what we learned this year the most in terms of kind of keeping an eye on data whether it's Netflix with the Dammer thing or whether it's podcasts in general True crime is not going away. Uh, I thought there might have been a dip and I was wrong. Mea culpa. True crime is still a huge, huge business, a huge, huge industry, especially for the podcast game. And this one, Crime Junkie, which, you know, questionable title perhaps, <laughs> is massive. Absolutely massive. I think it was Apple's number one overall podcast of the year. Uh, there's another one called More, but I would recommend. And the reason I would put these two together is... I think that the hosts of these shows are walking a very fine line these days. Some shows tend to kind of go in for the shock value overall. But even then, I think it's been tempered a bit. With these ones, what they do is they apply a very conversational style to obviously real life horrific cases. But they're trying to essentially critique the true crime industry while also being a huge part of it. And I kind of wonder how long this bubble can continue Having their cake and eating it. Exactly, yeah. And a very, very bloody cake it is so often because these stories are obviously harrowing. Yeah, and are they exploitative? I think they can be. I think the hosts are aware of this and they try, you know, it's contradictory, right? I mean, is it hypocritical? Can you make it work? But you have to remember that people going back as far as, you know, newspaper articles, books, etc. This predates Netflix and podcasting. True crime is a huge, huge thing. People are into it. If it bleeds, it leads. It's a horrible truism, but it is true. And people on their commutes to work will listen to these shows and just kind of, you know, walk it off. I mean, the hosts are desensitized and maybe so are the listeners. But I do think as well, why are we so fascinated by this? I think it's because... It is real life horror and we can hopefully put ourselves out of remove from it, but maybe dip a toe. It's questionable, but it's so popular. I notice, Sarah, we haven't done many Irish podcasts and there are many Irish podcasts. You've picked one, 
to Here Knows When. Mm. Great Irish albums revisited. Yeah, this is a really brilliant one. It's hosted by Paul McDermott and he basically goes through unsung, some critically acclaimed Irish albums, mostly from the 80s and the 90s. So you have things like Whipping Boys, Heartworm, um, Fatima Mansions, Revelino, The Water Boys. And what I really loved about this, especially, you know, in my job as a music journalist, I loved learning about these bands and this like vibrant and um, fruitful underground scene in Ireland a lot of it in Cork as well which is really fascinating but not surprising Zara <laughs> not surprising that no <laughs> all the best talent comes from Cork um, so as entertaining as this is because with each episode and they're about kind of 45 minutes long and he really goes in depth on the making of the albums and he'll generally have someone who was involved in the making of it um, it's very educational like I learned so much about Ireland's um, musical history through this and I think it's great to have a podcast like this because we are so fascinated with England and America So this is for somebody who's young like yourself but for people, people of an older generation like myself you get into the nostalgia <coughs> thing of the time Absolutely because Paul McDermott as well is just so great at setting the scene like he's a huge music fan himself and he will in depth talk, talk about you know seeing um, gigs in Cork um, there's like support slots he'll set the scene so I do feel like I was there and I do feel like I lived it so it's really brilliant Dave you have the Video Archives podcast with Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery Yeah this is a I can't believe it took Quentin Tarantino this long to start his own podcast I'm, I'm absolutely baffled by this because is there a bigger motor mouth in the entire world and I say that as a fan I love Quentin Tarantino not everyone does. And essentially, back in the day, Quentin and his friend Roger Avery, who he co-wrote Pulp Fiction with, they won Oscars, of course, they worked in a video store uh, called Video Archives in California, and they were just film geeks. They just, you know, watched movies all day, chatted to people, wrote scripts in the background. It's kind of a fateful place in, in the Tarantino story. And so this summer, they put together this show in which they go through the kind of films that they would have rented to people at the time on good old VHS. So, like, you're not getting a lot of mainstream stuff here is what I will say. You know, the, I think the biggest film they've covered so far is Moonraker, you know, the rare foray into Bond territory. But these are mostly cult films from the 70s. And Tarantino, of course, is a walking encyclopedia. Now, he is an acquired taste. I happen to think he's brilliant. So this show, for me, for a fan, does offer you the chance to be like, man, I wish I could go for a pint with that guy and just listen to him rattle on about films while I try and get a word in Edgeways. Probably won't get one in, but it'd be a fun night out, wouldn't it? Now, if that's your idea of hell, stay away from this podcast. But if you want, if you want to hear... This guy just go at it and tell you about films that have inspired his films and maybe give you a few recommendations along the way. Roger Avery gets a couple of words in here and there, but it's mostly the Quentin Tarantino show. <laughs> OK, what about Bjork's sonic symbolism? This is absolutely incredible. Um, so she came out with this podcast only recently, I think it was in the autumn, and it's Bjork and two of her friends. Um, so the, already the setting is quite great because she has a, a rapport with these people. So she will be very generous with her insights on her songwriting um, what influenced her albums and there's 10 episodes so everything from debut from 1993 down to Utopia in 2017 and what I just found so fascinating listening to this podcast is you know Bjork is a voice of her generation she's a vital voice as an artist so then to hear her as a person dissect her work was just really interesting because her language talking about her music is just so inspiring and really makes you think about her music in a completely new light I always think as well like listening to Bjork Bjork's music, every time I return to it, I hear something new. So then for her to divulge extra information, like the homogenic episode in particular is brilliant because she talked about how that was like her patriotic um, album about Iceland. 
One more each, briefly. A sportsman from you, please, Dave. We'll go with Riley's House, which is about Ian Wright talking about football all the time. And I mean, you flash back to maybe his first punditry job with the BBC back in, I want to say, 2006. And I remember watching it on TV and being like, this guy is terrible. He's no insight. He's annoying. How could he possibly develop into something great? Well, he has over recent years. And I will I will, I will cite the off-sited, amazing Des on this podcast he did before, which is just a human listen and it's perfect. I think Ian Wright has become one of the most interesting, insightful human characters in the world of sport and beyond and even just listening him to, to uh, listen to him talk about this year's world cup or this year's euros with the lionesses winning it etc if he has something to say about football i want to hear it i think he does it quite well delivers real insight gets inside the the minds of the players as well it's an essential listen for for anyone even if you're not that into football and i say that as a man united fan <laughs> <laughs> your last one please Sarah. jokerman yeah this is a brilliant podcast um and i think a huge part of its charm it's a a podcast that started out as a, a podcast looking at the mid to late career of Bob Dylan. It's hosted by Evan Laffer and Ian Grant and the charm of that is they're not music journalists, they're just huge music fans. So they do really in-depth looks at his later career. They'll talk about infidels, they'll talk about concerts and this year what was great was they expanded the Jokerman universe by talking about the Velvet Underground and then subsequently the solo careers of Lou Reed and John Cale. But what's great about this as well is that they've gotten some amazing guests along the way. So they had an interview with Griel Marcus, who was a legendary music critic and writer who wrote extensively about Bob Dylan. That episode is a must listen. Um, they had Michael Imperioli, the actor from Sopranos and White and Lotus, White Lotus yeah. Yeah, um, talk about the Velvet Underground and Nico. And again, that charm of them just being music fans is very endearing because they talk about music in a completely new way, which is very refreshing. If they go back to Bob Dylan, they should get Roy Keane on. <laughs> Ian Wright, I figure. OK, listen, thank you very much. Zara Hederman and Dave Hanratty for that terrific list of podcasts the best of 2022 The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today F-